1: Uh, Dang! <laughs> the Cowboys have got a problem with the run defense, and ladies, it's a problem that we've known about for weeks. We've talked about it. We've even talked about the slate of runners that they're that they're going to have to start dealing with. You've got Dalvin Cook this weekend uh, for Minnesota. He's averaging five yards a carry, roughly eighty yards a game. After that, you got Saquon Barkley and the Giants here on Thanksgiving. Then you got Jonathan Taylor in the Indianapolis Colts, and then hey, the Christmas you got Jalen Hurts again and the Eagles. Uh, Mike McCarthy was asked about it today, and he seemed to think, Aisha, that their problem is the C-gap. And for some of our listeners that aren't familiar with that, that is the area outside the offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. That's where they're sort of getting exposed and sealing the edge. And because I have access to a lot of uh, former players and coaches, I was just as curious, I think, as a lot of Cowboy fans, Well, mm-hmm. if you know what the problem is, why aren't you doing it? And in talking to a number of people, it sounds like they don't feel like when they're looking at the tape that there's enough bulk up front. And Brian Baldinger, uh, who does a lot of great breakdowns, ladies particularly, if you want to get smarter with football, Brian will do that for yeah, you. Bodies it's called Baldy's Breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, but he sent me a clip. It was right before the half. It was the Aaron Jones 12-yard touchdown run. What's concerning is you've got Micah Parsons one-on-one with the center. So he's right there in the middle of the field. He sheds the block fairly quickly, but at that point, Aaron Jones is already coming up the edge. And Aisha, we talked about this before the show started. It looked like Dante Fowler missed his assignment. In other words, he was supposed to twist back in to the open gap. He didn't, and then Aaron Jones was able uh, to get the touchdown for the half, which really proved costly. What are you seeing? What stands out? Because it sounds like the locker room's pretty frustrated. We saw uh Micah Parsons he wasn't name-checking teammates but he certainly was calling out if you're going to continue to do what you're going to do then we're going to be dealing with this all year what have you seen consistently on the tape that
2: (laughs) (laughs) that is just gentlemen not being where they're supposed to be in those plays like even Baldy just posted earlier today like there was a play in the game where there were multiple gentlemen filling that worn gap. And it was like, what are you doing? So I personally see on tape is that I think some of the alignment with the DNs is off as well. Like they're lining up more inside, well, more inside than I think they should be. And it's allowing the tight ends to get their hands on them and they're not able to get off of it. But um, more than anything, we talked about it yesterday. It's just playing your assignment. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so simple, but when you have so many guys who can get after the quarterback, have the ability to ra- to rush the passer, it, I think that right now these gentlemen are, are chasing the play and not making their play. And That's this is something that we have talked about on the show. And with this defense, the way that it flows, a lot of the time when they're when the defensive line is getting upfield or they're pushing or flowing the the runner or whoever to another gentleman and it's up to that guy to make the play. And if that guy doesn't make the play, then it's up to that guy. So it's a trickle down effect. People are also running at your your edges because they don't think your your corners are gonna come up and tackle. Hmm. It's a number of things, but more importantly I think it's just these guys playing their assignment, knowing their assignment. Like maybe there's some conversations that need to be had of like, do you know what you're supposed to be doing right here? Because it looks like you're trying to do what this gentleman is, the other guy's doing. So more than anything it's just them cleaning up playing their assignment and being disciplined and trusting their eyes right now. So
3: yeah, I just want to add some context to that. Neville Gallimore spoke to Patrick Walker this morning in the locker room, and it's crazy how you literally just said uh, everyone's <laughs> trying to make the play. He he said, "quote We've got a lot of great athletes and ball players, and everyone is trying to make the play. We've got so many dogs on the team, and if everybody just focuses on what they have to do in an individual assignments, we'll be good, and we'll get there for sure." And so I think it just number one speaks to how in tune you are with this team has, and what's going we get, on can with
4: it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But also, I just think it it makes it challenging, I think, when you're so good at rushing the quarterback. And that I've talked about that before on this show. Just to a lot of people, when you can get to the quarterback, that signifies a good defense, right? Oh, like they're taking down Aaron Rodgers. They're taking down Tom Brady. That's a good defense. But I think what you're learning at this point of the season is that you need a lot more than just sacks or rushing the quarterback in order to win. Mike McCarthy has told us every single time he speaks in that press conference that If I was other teams preparing against us, I would run the ball because I don't want to face our pass rush. And I think we're getting to the point where, number one, I wish you would stop saying that. But also, number two, now you have to start being able to back that up, right? Now you have to start saying, yeah, our pass rush is deadly. But now we're getting into the point where teams are recognizing that our run defense is a little bit lacking. So we have to go in and adjust that. I think that's really the focus this week. I think that's maybe along with limiting the reps they're getting before that Thursday game next week, I think part of the reason they're doing a walkthrough today is just to kind of get a little bit more in tune with what that really means.
5: And I'm glad you ended on that note because (laughs) I was about to say, it's about going back to the basics. It's making it way too complicated within their own minds. They are overthinking. They're too busy trying to go for the play, make the play. Instead of just sticking to your assignment Go get your guy, and that's it. Because we've seen that this Dan Quinn defensive scheme works for these guys. It works for these players. It works within the depth in this locker room. It's just, at this point, the only thing getting in the Cowboys' defense is themselves. And and really, it's... It's been an issue, but what I think going into this game is going to show is the Vikings are wanting to expose the Cowboys' defense even more than they feel like they did in Green Bay. So hearing on the other side what you know the vibe was with the Vikings, it was very, well, just run the ball. Cowboys' defense can't handle that. Run the ball. Very plain and simple. They are trying to expose that this is the actual weakness. This is the kryptonite for the Cowboys' defense. So again... A lot of it looks like they're just playing too emotionally charged and not, you know, more logically charged. So I think it's just going back to the basics, saying, hey, let's do some self-scouting. What worked? What didn't? Stick to your guy. And that's about it. They just have to do it. They have to quit talking about it and do it at this point.
1: I love that. Well, I was just going to say, I love that you, you bring out, Okay, they want to run the ball. You've got Dalvin Cook, right? We talked about Dalvin Cook. Five yards per carry, averaging eighty yards a game, he can be deadly. You know who proved he's really deadly? Justin Jefferson.
2: Oof so that matchup's gonna be nasty. And so yep. the problem
1: is if they decide if they if this run defense suddenly decides to turn the corner and let's say they drop a safety and they load the box, right? You're leaving Justin Jefferson exposed. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna give up the big play. So I think the Cowboys this week, you've gotta minimize <laughs> the big plays. And I and Sorry, I
3: had a poorly timed ding when you yeah. said that. It was yeah. like ding.
1: And I'm and I'm not Dan Quinn. I'm, I'm not going s- to sit here and say I know better than Dan Quinn. In fact, I'm actually just really curious about what the, the game plan is because is be, yeah. it's not just uh, it's not just Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen. You've got T.J. Hawkinson, who you just saw mm-hmm. with the Lions a couple weeks ago, who they picked up. So this is going to be a tough team. I think that the only way that they're going to be able to have success particularly on the road and look they won that game in Minnesota that they weren't supposed to last year right you got to force Kirk Cousins to make mistakes and the way you mm-hmm. do that is is the pass rush mm-hmm. okay so i think that they are going to get exposed again in the run because i think the bigger threat for them this week is giving up those big explosive plays letting them get out ahead scoring on an opening drive which they are very capable of doing and so again what i'm looking for you know as covering this team is What's Dan Quinn going to do? Like, where is your attention? Because everyone's calling out your run, D. But I don't think you can put more attention on the run this week, given some of the threats mm-hmm. in your receiving game. Am I wrong on
2: that? I think that I uh, will, like we were talking about, is I think what's frustrating and what was frustrating for me on film is, like, it is fixable because if the guys play their assignments, they'll be at the right place. So that's, like, that's the more frustrating thing about it. Also, too, this um, Vikings offense hasn't changed a whole bunch since last year, and the Cowboys played them considerably stout last year. And the Vikings also were keeping an eye on their their right tackle, if I'm not mistaken. He is Christian Dursault. He's in concussion part protocol. He's a big part of what they do in the run game. So I think that this this game is going to come down, down to what they're able to do in the run game, and then they're going to have to earn it. The Cowboys are in a place right now, again, where they're going to have to earn somebody being like, OK, we can't keep this guy in the box or like we're going to have to drop someone in the box to help out or whatever the case may be. They're going to have to earn teams adjusting to them being able to stop the run. And until then, teams are going to commit to it. And it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating on both sides, especially having to watch it.
1: My bad. You know, <laughs> sorry. On the other side of the break, we'll give an update on some of the injuries. But I do think what's going to help the run defense, specifically Micah Parsons, is if they get Anthony Barr back. And mm-hmm. who wants to have a, a bigger game than Anthony Barr is returning to Minnesota, obviously. Uh, but just having him there at linebacker, I think, allows Micah to play a little bit more freely. I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to make a lot of plays that maybe others aren't. And so, you know, even as I discussed on NFL Network today, there's only so much that Micah can do. And I'm not sitting here saying he's teacher's pet, you know, all these other guys are scrubs. I'm not saying that. But to your point, it's sort of a team effort. And I don't know about you guys, but in any work capacity, if I'm taking on multiple roles for multiple people, I can't be great at my job Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. I'm a jack-of-all-trades master. Say that. Say (laughs)
2: that. Say that. That's a real thing. But I I don't – with with – I know what else helps will help this defense, this offense not getting off to a slow start. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's part of it as well, and that the defense also was put in not so advantageous situations last game as well. So two back to back turnovers. Do you think that wears them out a little bit? I mean, yeah, and the slow starts, I mean, the offense didn't really get going into what, like the second quarter. Yeah. So by then your defense has been on the field a considerable amount of time. It's just this complimentary football was not present.
5: Mm -hmm. not at all
2: because even on special teams you was they was tearing you up too so
3: (laughs) yeah I was just going to add as well I I know it's important to talk about the Green Bay loss and how the run defense was exposed in that game but I think you also have to put into context what that game meant that game to me was way bigger than exposing any problems that the Cowboys had that game from the Day before they left for the bye week up until Sunday before kickoff was all about Mike McCarthy's return. And I think even we did, as media members, that was our focus for a lot of the time. And so I feel like that is playing a factor in why we feel that the run defense is bad. And don't get me wrong, like they, it was bad. It was bad. But I think it maybe feels worse mm-hmm. Because it was such an elevated and emotional game. And I think that's why it's frustrating for Mike, even today, when Mike mm-hmm. spoke today, I think you just feel that a little bit more. So I agree with what you're saying. And even to your point of being able to contain Kirk Cousins and the pass rush being successful again on Sunday, I think you kind of have to put that in perspective as well.
5: Yeah. And, and I think with that too, it it's going back to what I said earlier, you're playing emotionally charged. And when you're, you're too emotional as humans, you start to see a little bit of cloudiness and it's uh, a little blurry and it's not so clear what the goal is. But going back to Aisha's point of offense, you win the pocket, you win the game. That's for both sides of the ball. That's for the Cowboys. That's for the Vikings. Whoever is going to put more pressure on the quarterback this week and who can do that, that's going to be huge. Not allowing a run to even be established for the Vikings. That's huge. And again, it's going back to not having a slow start, of course, for offense, but defense. Get a three and out the first drive. First Vikings drive, get a three and out, set your tone early. We are not going to allow this to happen again because this is a game that I believe can really be the determining factor for the Cowboys defense to set the tone for the rest of the season.
1: Well, I think to answer your question, Haley, I agree with you. I think there was the emotional element of this game. But I think for me, at least what made this game so rough for the Cowboys was you were up by 14 points. Yeah. Uh, not only were you up by 14 points, you would think when the opposing team is up by two scores, you start passing it. They said, "Now nah, we don't respect your run. We're going to continue to run the ball. And then when you look at the last couple of games, let's see, 206 uh, to start this four-game slide, 240 after that, 117, 136. Uh, it's Like I said, it's going to be an area they haven't even seen some of the league's best runners. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I think... There is cause for alarm here because if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, we had talked about this this week. Uh, One of the discussions I'd had with one of my Cowboys team sources was, you know, we had talked so much about the gaudy stats from the wide receivers, which is why that wide receiver market was so wild this Mm. offseason. Teams are running the ball again. Yeah, It's so funny how offenses sort of change year to year. They're running the ball again. And as they face more teams that run the ball and then you've got an offense, which we'll get into in a little bit, that's not doing you any favors, you are gassing your D. I mean, even the pass rush for the Cowboys looked a little shaky. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and set that up with a little bit of tease because Dak is not absolved from this, and neither are his wide receivers. What was happening on some of those routes that led to those two turnovers that led to a gassed-out defense? We'll have that and more on the other side of Girls Talk Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner
4: of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: all right pepsi loving football fans it's time we had a lesson in trash talk and i'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field what i'm talking about is trash and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can now recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long but next time you're thinking about throwing that pepsi zero sugar bottle away just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open (sighs) know the difference make a difference be a team player and recycle visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more
1: back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the preferred dating app of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess.
5: Let's talk Santa at the Star. Get your holiday photo with Santa at the Star, presented by Monument Reality. Reality. Oh, my goodness. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus will be in his Cowboys-themed cottage cottage in the star district across from ascension from november 18th through november 24th book your visit before december 2nd to save five dollars with the code star 5 visit the star santa for more info i can say i did this last year i took my dog the cutest, cutest Christmas picture I think I've ever sent out to my family. Did you have it in a Cowboys
1: jersey, don't lie?
5: I didn't. I had a Cowboys ugly Christmas sweater, Jane. There's a difference. And I say ugly Christmas don't sweater. Don't lie. It wasn't ugly. I, I had a Cowboys ugly Christmas sweater. So,
1: That's cute. Not a jersey, but I love it. I thing. wish I could put my, my dogs in a team. I'm always looking for shield gear because... Because I cover the cowboys, I can't wear mm-hmm. any of the swag, even though I grew up here. Toby but finding had shield gears little, is little gear is
5: tough. It's very, very tough. Your Toby dogs are a, cute. Oh, so I cute. Hey, hey, we stuff. we love the fur moments. We love we love all the dogs. Hey, hey. We I mean your what, dog's the what's best.
2: This, what's the shield? The shield
5: what? NFL, the logo. They call it the shield. Get away from me. Yeah, there you go. I why didn't I know that? <laughs> oh god.
1: You're fine says don't fire Speaking me. of dogs,
5: Jane, you had mentioned That the Cowboys offense needs a dog. They do. There you go. We've got some injury updates. They might have one of those dogs back. I didn't know where where we were going
3: there. I I just,
5: it popped in my head. I was like, I have to do this. All
3: right, all you dog lovers
1: out there, here's what we
3: got. The biggest that we'll start with, Anthony Barr, uh, look trending towards returning. Mike McCarthy told us today he's in pretty good shape. Uh, He'll practice today in that walkthrough. So that's really positive. Anthony Brown is also doing well. He's still in concussion protocol, uh, but will also participate today. Uh, Michael Gallup, I asked about Michael Gallup. And what uh, an
1: interesting response on that one, yeah, Haley.
3: It wasn't exactly what I was expecting either. It was so like to the point that I was like,
1: "Okay, hmm. that's what, I that's exactly what I like, It wasn't a gotcha question yeah, either. I wasn't. just think I think he's drained from the Yeah,
3: yeah. So Mike uh, Michael's <laughs> feeling good, no issues. He'll be practicing. And uh, Zeke as an interesting one. I know we talked a lot about Zeke last week. The question mark. Proud of us for being able to say what needed to be said. That Zeke might not play and he didn't play. Uh, Kind of the same vibe today. Mike said, if he's ready to play, we'll play him. So I'll be interested to hear from him more tomorrow just to see how he's feeling, uh, just hear from his perspective. Um, But right now,
1: if he's ready to play, we'll play him. And it's always such a weak locker room when they do these, you know, Mike is very particular about his schedule when they take these road trips, and it's kind of been a long weekend, and you know, now they've got to travel again in Minnesota. So today was supposed to be a practice. They turned it into a walkthrough. He wants them at full speed uh, tomorrow, which is not dissimilar from what we've seen coaches in the past when they play that Thanksgiving game and and whatnot. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see what they do with Ezekiel Elliott because we talked about this last week. The run defense of the Packers was not necessarily a threat, which is why you said, okay – Let's see what Malik Davis and Tony Pollard have in this one. The Vikings run D is pretty good. It's top it's 10, I think. It's definitely not bad. Uh, so we'll see <laughs> where they're at with Ezekiel Ola because we keep talking about the issue here is long game for him. But I want to talk about the Cowboys and the receivers. Real quick, their rushing defense
3: is 16. Cowboys 16. is 29. Yeah, I so their total defense is 29, though, the Vikings. Uh, Cowboys' total defense is 12. They're not. So I mean they have
2: some no, they're su- they're susceptible. Give it a take. Uh, yeah. they they have guys that are similar to the Cowboys D line where Zadarius Smith and uh Daniel Hunter who like to get after the passer. Well maybe aren't, you know, amazing at Stealing Edge either. He yeah, also pass like defense. That.
3: Let's do Twenty nine. They give up two hundred and sixty two point nine yards per game
1: passing. Mm-hmm. So this could be a week for Ceedee Lamb to
2: continue the trend. trends yeah. right defense.
1: All right, so we loved that we saw what started out as a miscue with Ceedee Lamb. He cross faced in front of the safety, according to Dak Prescott. You want to explain that that means to some of our our viewers? What
2: is like to cross the cross face? Yeah. I mean, he just has to go past that. He has to go in front of that safety. He cannot go behind that safety when that safety is middle field he has to go across that safety to at least draw him out of the play and that's not what happened there see come here and learn stuff ladies that's and i'm
1: talking to guys too there are some guys you'd be shocked they don't know some of the stuff either uh so we try to educate you on the show and it's okay not to know and it's that's okay why we're here <laughs> that's, that's why we're here but when we're talking about these things i want to make sure that listeners understand because when i started out i didn't come from a family that went through x's and o's mm-hmm. and it's been acquired over the years, so hope you learned something there. Uh, so it was a bit of a miscue. They talked about, they communicated on the sidelines, and then he he went off. He had his first 100-yard uh, game this year, 150 yards, two touchdowns. We love to see that. Guys, I am curious your thoughts on this, uh, and we'll get into Dalton Schultz in a, in a minute. You know how I feel about this. So uh, <laughs> on CeeDee land, I feel for him. Because he is one of the most likable guys in that locker room. He truly is. And what I love about him, and even Mike McCarthy said it today, he wants to be great. And I feel that. I think it was hard when you consider that Dak did not play in the preseason at all. So he didn't get a lot of work with the receivers. And then, of course, he was injured. Do you guys think that, you know, Mike McCarthy talked about this was route adjustment and timing. Do you think that that stuff is playing into these guys not running the right routes?
2: Or why was it working with Cooper Rush? Well, first of all, the ball wasn't getting passed around like that when Cooper Rush <laughs> right. was, right here. <laughs> was number right one, <laughs> yeah. number two. He wasn't slinging it like that. that they play, were, like, yeah, they were forced to rely on the run game at that what, point. What that play in particular is what, what happened. I think there was a miscommunication on – what coverage was being played I think that Dak saw a cover two situation and they dropped into this cover three situation or it might have been another way around my bad but yeah and the I think that it played out differently from what CD thought he saw and then what Dak saw he saw and this is I'm not going to say that it's an inexcusable it's not a mistake that is excusable because you need to know that but that coverage is something that's just starting to happen like people disguising it in that way now i will say somebody in the press conference but they did this did happen that cd lamblin happened before it happened against the bears happened before and that's why it's one of those things that's where you get frustrated exactly but um i think michael galkin mentioned in the uh, press conference he said like this is you know the cowboys what ninth tenth game but this is Dak's fifth game like it's just his fifth Mm -hmm. game and so i think that's why you you're right Jane I agree with you that maybe that's why you do see some of the miscommunication and stuff but you do see also on the flip side you see Michael Gallup starting to come along with Dak as well so um, I don't know it's I think it's they they are both trying to get in a rhythm with each other CD Lamb and Dak right now
3: Yeah I think both of them even talked about that I know Dak talked about just still trying to get into a rhythm with CD and You really don't recognize how much of an impact it is missing as much of the season as Dak did until you actually see it unfold. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And I think that's what makes it so challenging is, you know, what Dak is capable of, you know, what this offense is capable of. We perfect example of it against the Bears. Right. But you also have to factor in that missed time and that they were clicking really well. To be honest, the Bears, I don't think, were as much of a threat as the Packers, given the history and all of the hoorah going into that game. So there was a little bit more at stake on Sunday. Hoorah. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't (laughs) think of a different word. Um, But I just, it's hard. So you have to give Dak the benefit of the doubt. And you touched on this a little bit. My issue with C.D. is that it always feels like he has to play with some sort of chip on his shoulder times Mm. two in order to feel great it's almost like and that's why i'm so high on getting an odell or somebody else in here because i think cd's a guy that likes to be challenged i think he likes proving to everybody that he's that guy and not to be disrespectful to the rest of the wide receiver room but right now i really feel like he doesn't feel like he has that guy who's going to push him to make the big catches to have those big games on sunday you know getting mixed up in those interceptions and you know not being on the same page as your quarterback taking some of that responsibility I think that fueled him into having a career game and on a consistent basis for him I think it's challenging when you don't have that push when you don't have that Mm. guy at practice that you're like let's go one-on-one like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna do this better than you and so I don't want to get back into the Odell conversation,
1: but I just think having a guy like that in there would really push him. But I, that's why he brings up Amari Cooper so much. Yeah. When you, how many times do you guys in your conversations with CD, does he bring up Amari Cooper? And particularly, Often. he's oh, brought yeah, it up even with OBJ. I think some of that is when you're getting some attention off of CD, he's allowed, he's allowing himself to make some of those plays. He struggles in the double and triple coverage. Yes, so and so I think he does need a guy like I mean Amari was a bit of an, Amari prided, him, prided himself on it. He was a bit of he was he has his route running guru page. You know, mm-hmm. like he's a bit of a savant in that way. And I think he coached those guys up. And I do think that they're missing a guy like Adam Henry, who was the wide receivers coach. I I don't think we talk enough about yes. that. Look at what he did for OBJ and for Jarvis Landry when he was at LSU. And then what he did here, having three 1,000-yard uh, receivers. And so I think all of that factors. And I think that's why even Jerry is being so bullish about OBJ and why that locker room is mm-hmm. being so bullish about it. Is yeah. because. I think they see having a veteran like him in there is good for everyone, even if it is a year or two. Because what you're doing is you're helping them invest in the guys they spent a lot of money in and might have to start paying money for C D Lamb when his contract comes up here in what the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And
5: you have if you have the option of OBJ, I've said it over and over again, it's an additive. Jerry even echoed that when he talked on The Fan this week. He said, Well, it would be an additive to what we already have. But going back to talking about CD, because listening to the other side and what the Vikings were saying, they want to expose CD. I mean, completely. That is that is what I got. They want to expose him, and they're really going to pay attention to him in the slot. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you do see a little bit more of Noah Brown, a little bit more of Michael Gallup this week, because they're going in there with a plan to not only attack CeeDee in that slot, but they're trying to put pressure on Dak early. Straight what they said, we want to put pressure on Dak and specifically the pocket. They don't necessarily want to get to Dak. They want to collapse the pocket. They want Dak to feel that pressure. So he's forced to get that ball out early. Of course, we know the domino effect that comes with that, the miscommunications or the interceptions. And so they're going in there to expose Dak and CD, specifically those two and that duo. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, maybe CD doesn't have a fantastic 100 yard game like he did against Green Bay, but it does leave room for Michael Gallup, it leaves room for Noah Brown. Jalen Tolbert, maybe. Cavonte Turpin, maybe. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Cowboys offense is going to respond with their other wide receivers in the room.
3: Just real quick, we got the official uh, practice report from uh, Cowboys PR, so uh, all the guys we talked about, Anthony Barr limited, Anthony Brown was limited, Zeke limited, Michael Gallup was full, uh, Demarcus Lawrence is on this list, he did not is not practicing today with a foot injury Oh God! and Tyler Smith had a knee injury last week. He's full go. As for the Vikings, uh, it's so interesting seeing how short this one is in comparison to the Packers <laughs> last week. Uh, Christian Darasaw, you talked about earlier, he did not practice with a concussion. Uh, Caleb Evans concussion. Justin Jefferson was limited today with a toe injury. Mm. Uh, Zadarius Smith inju- limited with a knee injury and Dalvin Tomlinson did not practice with a calf injury. I, so. interesting. I creeped
2: on the Green Bay folks before I came in. It looks like, they're not really worried about Zadarius like that. But the Evans gentleman is playing uh, corner. So mm-hmm. that might be the... Well, he's the backup corner, if I'm not mistaken. So if he can't go, then maybe you're on a third-string corner out there. So there may be other receiving opportunities here for so the Cowboys. Well, I was going to bring up... You were talking about the interceptions for Dak. I think that's what's a little alarming. Mm-hmm. And
1: you can't put all of them on Dak. Like I said, no. Dal- Dalton Schultz and CD, there was definitely some miscues there. But... I mean, we're talking four games, four picks, two in the Packers
2: game that turned into points. Mm. Do you think that this gets in his head at all? No, I don't think so because he's he's seeing, he trusts what he's seeing, and he's he. Tr- I mean, you can tell he trusts what he's seeing, and, and people have complained years about Dak not throwing with you know urgency, with him not thro- not throwing guys open, whatever, and he's thrown with anticipation. The gen- like the player just has to, you know is going to be there, so it's or needs to be there. So I feel like you no, know, the aggressiveness in which he's playing is kind of is o- is okay to me. I do think that the passing 48, 46 times That's though, what I was
3: just getting right It say. is
2: very likely yeah. that you are going to see more picks or whatever the case may be because it's it's almost a given with how much you're throwing the ball. So I think that also plays into the number of picks that he threw this game specifically.
3: I think you it know. just goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show, just having accountability and doing your job. I know we talked about that being the thing for defense to key on this week, but that obviously translates over to offense as well. Dak is never a guy who doesn't take accountability for what he's done. He took accountability for those two picks. He took accountability for the mistakes that he made. Now you have to have – dalton and you have to have cd and you have to have michael or whoever it is making those mistakes you also have to have a a candid conversation and say look i maybe was too aggressive and throwing into double coverage while you were both running that route that i saw you both running the route but and i did it anyways but i need you guys to get it together too if one of you guys is running some of that pressure and some of that defense is going the opposite way right so i I like how aggressive Dak is. Mm-hmm. I would rather have a Dak Prescott who's going to take the chances, who's going to trust himself to make those decisions, than to have, let's say, a Cooper Rush, who, sure, he's consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him every week. But it, it's a lack of excitement. It's a lack of aggressiveness when you're watching him play, and, and you rely more on the run when a Cooper Rush is in. Do you folks do not that. remember
1: what his game looked like before <laughs> Dak came yeah. back? I mean, he started to get exposed. We hadn't seen Cooper Rush... I mean, think about it. before he got the starting job. While Dak was dealing with the injury, we'd only seen him in one career game. You know, it was that was this Minnesota. One. <laughs> yeah,
5: and well, I was <laughs> so gonna say they brought just... that up on the other side. They said on the other side they were talking about the last time we saw this team. Cooper Rush led to victory. This is a revenge game for Dak. And in my mind, just I guess being around the building, being around all of this, I'm like. Dak doesn't think that way. That's, that is not how Dak sees this. So it's very interesting to see things from the Vikings' point of view. To even assume that that is how Dak is, that what is seeing this. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. I'm just. it took me a long time. Wait, yes. wait. Yes, that this is a revenge <laughs> they, game they for this- Dak against Cooper Rush to show, look, I can beat the Vikings too, which is absolutely just ridiculous to me. But uh-huh. that's what was said. But I did write it in my notes because I just couldn't believe that that was kind of their. The point of view over there, but to your point, Haley, what or everybody, is when you see Dak throwing the ball that many times, that tells me one thing. The run game was not established, and when you lean on the run, obviously you haven't had a healthy one-two punch with Zeke and Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott with the injury there, but you do have a Malik Davis who has stepped up when he needed to, but to me, you can't have that one-two punch if he's only getting five touches on the ball. I mean, that's an issue. So you wonder why Dak threw the ball so many times. You wonder why he had two interceptions. Well, when you have two running backs, one of them is only getting five touches in a game. That's a very good indicator to why. And that goes back to, again, Kellen Moore maybe need to taking more accountability for that play calling within that game. I think
1: the reason why they're talking about Kirk Cousins and Dak is because there were so many comparisons Mm -hmm. about Dak Prescott being in the same uh, <laughs> categories as Kirk. And then I think it was easy to make those comparisons as they both bet on themselves to get their big deals. Yeah. It, Kirk Cousins is just so fascinating. He has the best win-loss record of his career, but he's having his worst season mm-hmm. since becoming uh, the full-time starter. So I think that's it's interesting. It's girl. It's those chains he's wearing every week.
3: And it's also, weighing him down. They
5: asked him today during the press conference why he doesn't wear the wristband with the plays on it anymore. And overall, it just seems like he's more comfortable with the scheme. He's more comfortable with the play calling. And it seems like it's just a little more simplified for him to not have to memorize so much. That's so actually, that was you know, an Also, just throw view. the ball
1: to Justin Jefferson, well, and
5: that's what,
2: <laughs> was, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna like... say. Is like he's, he's. Uh, Kirk has always been a little bit of a gambler, but now with these receivers, like especially with like the addition to, to Hawk, of Hawkinson, he he's just be like, Guess this thing.
1: Let's let's talk about there. this. I had actually forgot about this, and this was in my notes that I wanted to bring up. I always love playing this. If this had happened, what if? So the Cowboys were right there at 17. Guess where Justin Jefferson was uh, in the 2020
5: draft? Five, five picks after CeeDee Lamb.
1: 22 overall picks. So the Cowboys pick CeeDee Lamb. Let's talk about their numbers since Dang. the Cowboys picked. Uh, Lamb, 206 receptions. Jefferson, 265. Receiving yards? Jefferson's almost doubled it 2,743 for Lamb, 4,076 for Jefferson. Receiving touchdowns, Lamb's got 16, Jefferson 21. This is where it's really interesting. 100-yard games, Lamb only has six, Jefferson has 20. What's fascinating is I covered Jefferson's pro day, um, and I remember his wide receivers coach, who's worked with a bunch of these guys in the offseason, he pulled me aside and he goes, Justin Jefferson's going to be better than Jamar Chase in the league. And I was like, huh? Come on, man. Come on. He said, watch, he is going to be better than Jamar Chase in the league. And he is certainly making a case for that right now. Most receiving yards in your first three seasons in NFL history. Uh, You want to guess who he's in the company of right now? This will be a fun game. I'm not going to try. I'm not even going to do it. He is in the same vein now as Randy Moss, who had 4,163 in his first three seasons. OBJ, who had 4,122. You got Justin Jefferson with 4,076 and AJ Green with 3883 and keep in mind Jefferson has eight more games to go this season. So just some fascinating yeah. numbers about how much of a threat he is. Now keep in mind the last time the Cowboys played him they did have a plan. He only had two catches yeah, for 21 yards. Chicka, quiet. Chicka, 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 chicka. I don't know if that's going to be the case this time,
2: but I, we'll see. It's uh he's averaging like 95 yards a game right now, but a lot of like his numbers being insane like that are necessity
3: <laughs> like, I was, that's what I was gonna say like, I mean, and like it's, it's, it's hard it's
2: difficult to com- it's very difficult to compare a lot of these receivers just given their situations like I mean but he in particular he's given he's getting so many opportunities and he just takes advantage of them and he's one of those guys like you gotta go get a play he's mm-hmm. gonna go make the play that matchup between him and Trayvon mm-hmm. is gonna be because I think they both have gotten better they both yeah, have taken a step I was just from last ready to say. I'm so sorry. It's, no, you're good. <laughs> girl. Taking just all your right point. here. You are I know. All all
5: like, like you brought up Trayvon. I was like, check. So why never don't mind. we <laughs> hold that
1: conversation for the other side of the break? Because that let's just talk about matchups we're looking forward oh, to, and yeah. then of course we're going to dig into this a little bit more tomorrow. One of my favorites, Tatum Everett, is the team reporter for um, Minnesota. She's going to join us and give us a little bit more insight, specifically T.J. Hawkinson, who learned the playbook in like four <laughs> days when he was there. Uh, but let's talk about. Diggs versus jefferson and why that one's going to be one to watch on the other side of the break this is girls talk voice talk brought to you by jigsaw dating the official dating partner of the dallas cowboys
4: at jigsaw dating we obviously want the cowboys to bring that sixth ring home but to be honest we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger that's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper because it's personality that matters the most not looks Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. know the difference make a difference be a team player and recycle visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more
5: it's smoothie king's original angel
2: food and new angel food slim without added sugar you no longer have to choose between treating
1: yourself and hitting your goals this summer you don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great because at smoothie king every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups so you can
2: satisfy your cravings without compromise The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added
1: sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. back to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, the official dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. But first, Jess...
5: Tis the season. Experience the magic of the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters during Christmas time. With your ticket, you'll enjoy a 45-minute guided tour, Christmas cookies, and a takeaway limited edition Dallas Cowboys ornament. Select dates are now available and will sell out very fast, so make sure to book now at thestarinfrisco.com/tours.
1: All right, ahead of the break, we talked about the matchup we're looking forward to watching because Justin Jefferson is just. He is Michael Irvin said I don't want to fight through the fan today. He was asked, was that the best catch you've seen in the league? Yes. And what he did against the Bills last week, a comeback win on the road was just absolutely nasty. It was like a fourth and 19,
5: mm-hmm. fourth
1: and 18. It's was, it was crazy.
5: The entire game. It was the last half of it was playing right here. And I told Haley, like, look at that. Look at it again. And it's Dude, absolutely
1: was, captivating. I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking like highlight reels for the ages. That was football um,
5: at its best. Watching that game.
1: So, but we talked about this the last time the Cowboys played him, which again is so funny because we were talking about this earlier, Cooper Rush versus Dak, how well the defense seemingly plays when Cooper Rush uh, is the quarterback. And maybe we'll deep dive into that a little bit more tomorrow because we don't have time. We will, because I think it is an interesting conversation. Uh, But when they played him last year, he only had two catches uh, for 21 yards. They didn't target digs against the Packers last week. And then when you look back to the game last year, he was never targeted when he was in primary coverage. Is Kirk daring to go
5: after Diggs this week or no? I want him to, yeah. (laughs) I hope so. I sure hope so because the thing about Justin Jefferson is he makes plays when the ball is in the air. That, to me, is just the perfect time for Trayvon to come back up and say, you want to talk about my defense You want to say that we are overexposed and we're not capable of making plays happen? This is the opponent to do it with. Justin Jefferson is absolutely the statement player that Trayvon Diggs needs to get that ball from, and I expect him to fully be the ball hawk that we know he can be against him. I think
2: that's a lot of respect there, because even with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers not going at you, it says Mm -hmm. something about you. like It it really does, because he's one of the guys probably some of the best, best ball placement in the game. And if he's like, ah, you know what, maybe I shouldn't go over there, <laughs> I could definitely see Kirk being like, mm. But with the emergence of of Justin Jefferson and how involved he is in his offense, they move him around also. So the other corners are going to have to be prepared for having to cover him. So it's not – I'll be curious to see if Dan Quinn makes goes out on a limb and says, like, hey, no, you, sh- you shadow him or you follow him. But that's not typically his M.O., but – Maybe this game, if you take him out of this game, that it changes how they play offense. Maybe maybe that is a matchup we should be looking at to, you know, neutralize things.
3: I think with Trayvon as well, you have to respect his growth. I know you touched on that a little bit, and I... It's obvious when you think of Trayvon Diggs, you think of interceptions, and that's a proper thing to think about. But Trayvon has really elevated his game this season. Uh, according to the Cowboys PR staff, through nine games, Diggs only has two missed tackles and 6.3% missed tackle rate is ninth among quarterback cornerbacks. And I just think when you – when you talk about Trayvon Diggs, you have to start talking about him in a different light. I think he's really elevated who he is as a player. Um, the interceptions are cool, and I love that he gets those. I love that we have that option of someone who's going to go up and get the ball, to your point, Jess. But what I'm really interested in is is what else he can do because we expect him to get the interceptions. But I don't think people really expected him to be the tackler that he is. And I think he showed that really early uh, in that Bengals game. It stands out to me in the Giants game. I think he had back-to-back games where – He made the game-saving tackles. And so um, I'm just really interested to see not necessarily the aerial battle between him and Jester Jefferson, but what Trayvon can limit if Jefferson is able to get catches and keeping him down.
1: Do you guys think at all the respect level there is because keep in mind, Stephon Diggs was obviously in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. They knew what little bro was capable of when he was in Alabama. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a wide receiver that switched to cornerback. So in other words, I mean, he was around the facility. Those two are so close. They know his game. Because they know his game, do you think it extends more than just what he's been able to accomplish in the NFL? It's sort of having that back history of, we knew what we were getting from Stephon Diggs. We saw what he was doing in college. This is a guy we just we don't want to smoke from.
2: Yeah, I mean, the they're brothers and they're very open about how much they compete against each other and have competed against each other. So and Stefan speaks very highly of his brother, but he's if he don't look good, he'll say it too. So Yeah. Yeah, And obviously
1: Stefan is now with the Bills. But my point in saying is like a lot of these there's not a ton of turnover Mm -hmm. from when he was playing and then came here. And so I just wonder if some of that goes to we sort of know what we're getting uh with Trayvon based on what we knew what we we had yeah. with Stefan well, and
5: I'd love to uh RJ Ochoa shout out to RJ he did an interview with Trayvon earlier this week on blogging the boys and he asked you know how are you more quiet compared to your brother and just the the contrast there of Trayvon said I don't I don't like to be mouthy I just I do my thing I do my job and I let them talk to me and I just show them what's up I mean it was a very good interview and and it was uh it was really cool to to hear him talk about that contrast because I just never thought of it that way of how really different they are being so close and I guess uh, me and my brother I mean we're we're really the same way we're we're complete opposites but then you you see just how different Savon and Trayvon are and it is it is insane. I didn't think about it until I saw that interview. George Edwards, right? Mm-hmm. Former Vikings. Yep. I
2: maybe he has some insight on how He clearly did last year. Yes, on I think the Cowboys played the run last year against Dalvin Cook extremely well. They use Ham, uh, the fullback, a lot, and now he can get downhill on you. So I just wanted to, like, for familiarity, I think George Edwards being in that room is going to help too. Well,
1: let's touch on that a little bit more tomorrow. We'll put that in our notes. And I do, like I said, want to get into how this defense plays without Cooper Rush because respect to John Moshoda for even asking the question. CBS Sports actually put out the tweet with some interesting numbers that I hadn't really thought about. Uh, Mike wasn't necessarily taking the bait, but why we think Cooper Rush was able to make this defense look a little bit more efficient. We'll get into that tomorrow. Before we wrap up, got a past interference
5: for us. I do, and I'm so glad you ended on that note because let's talk about the last time the Cowboys and the Vikings played. It is time for your past interference. They played in 2021. They obviously won. The Cowboys won. 20-16. Now, going back through the history of the Cowboys and the Vikings, they've played a total of 26 times within the span of the NFL, 14 of which the Cowboys have won, Within that time, the Cowboys have scored a total of 73 touchdowns and on average score about 2.8 touchdowns a game. So the more you know. And to this day, the rivalry from the Vikings fans
1: still exists because it's all held Dallas Joy <laughs> in their Super Bowls. It's always fun. If you've not been to Minnesota before, one of my favorite stadiums, an incredible atmosphere – I, unfortunately, am not making the trip this weekend because we have a reporter in that region. So I'm sort of bummed out about it. But we're going to talk a little bit more about this matchup tomorrow. Like I said, we love getting opposing team reporters uh, and here. Tatum Everett is one of the best. And then we'll deep dive into some of those topics that we decide to earmark for tomorrow. For all of us on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
4: about you, Cowboys? Yeah!